Uh, hello again, everybody. And uh, for those of you who are thinking, hold on, have we just missed a bit of Luke 6? We're following through. I thought we'd only got to about verse 16. You're right. Uh, Eleanor was due to be here this morning preaching on uh, the blessings and woes from verse 17 on for the next 10 verses. Sadly, Eleanor has been struck down by a nasty virus. So, Eleanor, if you're watching, we love you and pray you'll get better soon. Uh, I was due to preach on this passage next week in the evening, and I'd started my prep, so I thought the best thing to do was to carry on with that, and we'll do this, uh, we'll do this passage, and we'll come back to Luke 6, maybe uh, to verse 17 onwards, maybe we'll get there next Sunday evening, we'll see how well Eleanor is by then, hopefully very well. Uh, this passage, the two builders, the wise man, the foolish, building on the, uh, on the rock and without foundation or the sand, uh, comes at the end in Luke's Gospel of the Sermon on the Plain, which starts at verse 17. If we put verse 17 up, uh, of our, there we are. Jesus went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over the place came as well. Matthew, a bit more famous, the Sermon on the Mount, where he went up on a mountain and a whole load of people were there. Jesus preached many sermons on mountains, on plains, and everywhere in between and told, I'm sure, many of the same stories lots of times. It's one of the few areas in which I'm like Jesus. I can tell the same story. There are many where I'm not quite there yet. But you can imagine the disciples are going around with him for three years thinking, oh, the house on the rock, he takes 20 minutes over that. Or, uh, yes, that one about the good shepherd, I know, that's half an hour. Anyway, there's... Uh, so I tell many of the same stories, and that is one of the ways I'm like Jesus, but there, hopefully others will grow. Anyway, let's pray as we come to look at this wonderful story. Lord Jesus, we praise you that your word is truth, that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and we are here to follow you, build our lives on the truth that you have taught on your love and for that to be our secure foundation. So we pray, come now by your Spirit. Help me as I speak, help us as we listen. As What is such a familiar story to many of us, we pray that you will show us how we can strengthen our foundations in you, such that when the torrents come, we stand firm. Speak, we pray, and we ask it in your name. Amen. So this story, the uh, two builders, the wise man who builds his house on the rock and the fool who builds on the sand, comes at the end of the Sermon on the Plain and the Sermon on the Mount. I imagine Jesus used it at the end of any teaching day something like to say, so which way are you going to go? What are you going to do about this? Uh, and there are other bits in this passage of Luke, Luke 6, which are very similar to Matthew 7, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7 has, there's two roads. There's a broad road that leads to destruction, or there's a narrow road that leads to life. There are two trees in Matthew 7 and here in Luke 6, uh, verse 43 to 44. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. Are we going to be a good tree or a bad tree? Sometimes we can't tell. There are two claims. There's lots of people claim to follow Jesus. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Yet not everybody does who says, you can take the Lord's name in vain. Uh, and then particularly there's this story of the two builders, the wise man and the fool. And Jesus does this all the time. He divides people into two groups, uh, the sheep and the goats. 
the wise and the foolish. You're either for him or against him, ultimately. Of course, in this life, we have a chance to work out which way we're heading, which way are we going. And some of you here are just starting to, trying to think, which way am I going? Am I for him? Am I against him? Ultimately, there is a separation and a judgment. This really matters. It's not just about this life. It's about our eternal destination. There are two destinations. One is life for all eternity with God uh, in what he's really been planning right from the beginning. The other is destruction and exclusion. And the end of this parable talks about, verse 49, the house, it collapsed, its destruction was complete. So these are serious things. Uh, is our life going to live with God for all eternity? Is our foundation secure? Or does it just look good, but actually it's pretty flimsy? Uh, so that's why I prayed at the beginning that the Lord would help us to know how we're doing. Our founder, each of us, our foundation can get more and more secure as we base it on Jesus. Uh, so a few obvious points about the houses. The first point, the similarity between the two houses. The two builders have the same idea. They want to build a house, presumably in the same area. They're probably similar to look at, like lots of the houses as we drive around. They, they have, have the same sort of design. And a casual observer might not see any difference between the two. The parable is told to people who are listening to Jesus. In this case, they've been down on this level place, the plain, probably all day. Both the wise and the fool listen to Jesus. They look similar on the surface. If you were there uh, just take, looking out on everybody, they might have all looked the same. You couldn't tell the difference between them. It's actually that way with the sheep and the goats. You get flocks of sheep and goats. I remember growing up thinking, well, surely they look different. But when I spent a year in Israel, I saw some flocks of sheep and goats, and they all look pretty scrawny the same. It's hard to tell from a distance. Uh, the wise and foolish bridesmaids, I'm sure, looked exactly the same. As bridesmaids, they wear the same stuff. Uh, you couldn't tell who's wise and who, who's foolish. The parable of the wheat and the tares, as you look over the field, it's all jumbled up together. You can't quite separate it out. And we can't tell from the outside what's going on on the inside, but God can. Do you remember what God said to Samuel when he went to choose King David? There were these, in 1 Samuel 16, 7, there were the, he went to Jesse, looked at his sons, lots of strapping lads, but 1 Samuel 16, 7, have we got that there? The Lord said, don't consider his appearance or his height. I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And we can't tell just by what people say on the outside. Verse 46, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, uh, will enter the kingdom of heaven. We can't tell just whether people are in church or not. I think that's changing. Uh, when I was growing up, there was an awful lot of nominal Christianity. Church was about the only thing that was open on a Sunday. There was no Sunday morning football, no garden centres, nothing else was open. Uh, church was about the only thing on offer. Uh, so a lot more people go to church than happens now. But even so, just going to church isn't it. We're not to be deceived. Time will tell. I remember as a student being surrounded by lots of other hundreds of students in vibrant churches and speakers would come and talk about this sort of thing, say we need to get our roots down. Statistically, lots of you will give up, he'd say to us. And I looked around at all these students worshipping the Lord and thought, well, how will that happen? But tragically, that did happen. So many drift away 
and lose their faith because their foundation is not secure. And tragically, I see that today. COVID was such a stress test, wasn't it? For everybody, on everything. And there are some for whom that was too much. And they're not with us anymore. That's really sad. So, but outwardly, everybody looks the same. The houses look the same outwardly. Uh, but second obvious point, there is a difference between the houses. Despite obvious outward appearances, there is a significant difference in the foundations. And it's obvious to everybody who saw the early stages of the building. The foolish builder has built on ground with no foundations. Matthew says on sand. Here, just no foundations. The wise man has built on rock. Uh, verse 48, he's dug down deep, proper foundations. The fool is lazy. He wants the comfort of his house with all the shortcuts and quick results. I have to say, it's a little bit like me when it comes to decorating. I'm not, you know, good decorators, they take their time in preparation, they sand it all down, they fill the gaps. I just want to put the paint on, which is why in our house, Juliet does the decorating, because she's the wise and I'm the fool. And she does. If you do the preparation properly, it all goes better. When it comes to building a house, that's even more important. The wise man takes his time, he works hard, he knows the foundations are vital. But ultimately, both houses are built, and no doubt both men, perhaps with their families, move in, sit back in their armchairs. Ah, oh, it's done. I've got my house. Uh, the difference, though, goes much deeper. One is secure, and the other is not. And the third obvious point, they may look similar outwardly, there's a difference in the foundations. Thirdly, the difference is exposed by the storms. Both houses face the same conditions. How many of you in your heads, as Liz was reading, was playing through the wise man built his house upon the rock and the rains came tumbling down and the rains came down and the floods went whoosh? We were, I know, you were doing it, I was doing it as well. We probably should have sung it earlier, but it wasn't the plan that I was preaching on this this morning. Although the band did brilliantly picking a song about building on foundations when that wasn't even the passage. That was fantastic. The Lord knew. Um, anyway, the same conditions, the rain, the storm, the wind. In Luke's version, we just read the torrent hits both houses. And the one without foundations, the sand, the dodgy ground, gets washed away completely. Similarly, when the storms hit, the difference between the real Christian and the one who just looks like one, he's there singing the songs with everybody else, uh, but the foundation hasn't happened, the difference is exposed. When the torrent comes, superficial religion is no help whatsoever. Jesus made the point in so many different ways. In Matthew, the broad road that leads to destruction, crowds on it, surely so many people can't be wrong. Oh, yes, they can. Or the trees. They both look lovely, but one has fruit and one doesn't. There's a fundamental difference between them. The house on the sand looked as comfortable and pleasant as any other, but no foundation. So when it comes to our faith, how are we doing? How is your foundation? Does it help you cope with the tough times? Or is the foundation a bit flimsy? And you're tempted just to abandon any faith you may have thought you had in God because he hasn't done what you feel he should have done for you. 
The same conditions affect all of us in this world, Christian or not Christian. Illness, disappointment, unemployment, difficulty in relationships with family members, bereavement, grief, pressures from the world, busyness, time pressures, satanic attack. There is a spiritual battle. There is an enemy out there who doesn't want us to build good foundations. And ultimately, we all face death. I've spoken with so many people, even just the last few days, who are struggling with different things, and it's exposing the fact that the foundations are not as secure as they need to be. Now, Jesus is making the point very starkly, a house with good foundations and one with none. For most of us, our foundations may be there, but perhaps not as secure as they could be. The foolish person, the absolutely nominal Christian, the one who listens to Jesus, doesn't do what he says. When the storms come, they give up. But if the relationship with God is there, if the foundations are deep, then you know that God is still there. God has never promised that things will be easy. Quite the opposite. Psalm 23 verse 4 says, Even in the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And the truth of the Christian life is that there are dark valleys as well as glorious mountaintops as well. The book of Job in the Bible uh, is there to show us, here's a man puzzling why everything's gone wrong, but he holds on to his faith in God. Not a fair-weather faith. Or Peter, in his old age, uses the illustration of the gold uh, heated up in the furnace. Our faith is like gold, which is tested by the difficulties of life, the storms, the torrents, the pressures that come, so that the dross comes to the surface and can be scooped off, so the gold is purified. From time to time, God allows things to come our way which reveals the state of our foundations. I remember so vividly that first Christmas holiday at the end of my first term as a student. Uh, many of you know my story. I'd been pulled two ways as a teenager. I decided to follow Jesus as Lord. Uh, at the start of my student days, I got caught up in the vibrant church and CU, loving it, thought I was doing really well with my Christian faith. And I went home for the first Christmas vac and wondered where God had gone. And of course, what I realized was I was actually just being buoyed up by everybody else around me. Uh, my own roots hadn't gone very deep at all. Sometimes when we wind up on our own or when storms come, we think, ah, maybe I'm not doing quite as well as I thought I was. Other times, all this stuff happens and you wind up knowing the presence of the Lord with you in worshiping him anyway and you've discovered your roots are strong. Well, down the years since then, that was 40-odd years ago, um, from time to time, the Lord allows those things to happen. When you just are overstretched and you think, ah, there's something in my foundations that is not secure. So what is the foundation? The foundation, Jesus says, is obedience to what he says. The wise man hears his word and puts it into practice, verse 47. Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and puts them into practice, I'll show you what they're like, like the wise man. The fool hears what Jesus says and doesn't do it, verse 49. The one who hears my words 
and does not put them into practice. It's like the man who built a house on the ground without foundation. Now, it's easy to think, when we think about the story of the wise man built his house on the rock and the fool he built on the sand, that the wise man listens to Jesus and the fool doesn't listen to Jesus. But actually, they both listen. Jesus is using this at the end of a teaching day to people who've been listening. Those of you who are wise, you say, will do what I've said. Those of you who are foolish will go home and say, well, wasn't that an interesting day, and do nothing about it. The foundation is obedience. And Jesus never said it would be easy. Uh, the bit we haven't read, <laughs> uh, and tonight Daniel Rogers is preaching on some of this, um, verses 27 and 28, Jesus said this, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. The fool says, what a lovely idea. Wouldn't the world be better if everybody did that and then they don't do it? The wise man goes, ouch, that's hard. How do I do that? Lord, help me. Or some other verses, verse 37 and 38. We'll have some of these next week. I think Lissy's preaching next week, and we might get some of these. Uh, do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Jesus talked about forgiveness, giving, and forgiving. For some of you, this challenge to forgive. And when, when you've been hurt in a small way, that's relatively easy to do. When it goes deep, you will need help to work that through so the forgiveness is real. And you'll need to talk and pray with people about that. I don't want to be glib about this. It's not easy. And giving. For some of you, the foundations uh, haven't yet reached your finances. Jesus teaches us to trust God with our finances. Uh, if you know you haven't got there yet, and you might want to go to the welcome desk and sort out the giving and the parish giving scheme and all that. That's part of it. There's giving, there's forgiving, there's loving, there's worshipping. There's all sorts of things, Jesus said, and it's not easy. Perhaps the hardest one of all we'll come to next term, Luke 9, 23 to 25. Jesus said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. It's the same idea. The foundation of obeying Jesus. And he goes on, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit their very self? None, of course. It's these foundations are to do with denying ourselves, taking up our cross, dying to what we might want, saying yes to what Jesus wants, and then discovering that that is the way to joy. That was so surprising to me uh, in my early years as a proper disciple of Jesus, that what looks costly and feels costly when you do it and you discover the presence of God there is the way to joy. Uh, just a couple of last verses from John's Gospel to tease this out. John 14, 23 to 24. Jesus said, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. This is that's the same thing. This foundation is doing what Jesus said. And then in John 15, verse 10 and 11, he said this. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. If we do what he says, the foundation is there. Nothing will separate us from his love. 
just as I've kept my Father's commands and remained in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Uh, Jesus isn't trying to make life hard for us. He wants us to stand and he wants us to know his love and he wants us to know his joy. He just knows that the way to that is digging the foundations uh, that it means obedience to his word. Now, we live in such an instant generation. We want stuff instantly. And you cannot do this quickly. It just takes time. Growing disciples takes time. Building, your, building a house takes time. The foundations have to be strong. And then the house goes and, will, and it will last. Uh, but it is the way to joy. Now, we're not saved because we, are, uh, we earn it. We're saved by grace. It's all given. But when it's real, we then put these foundations down. We do what Jesus says, and it lasts. So Lent, classically, is this season we're in to examine our spiritual disciplines. How are we doing at reading the Scriptures? We'll never do what it says if we're not reading it. <laughs> How are we doing at that? How are we doing at spending time uh, loving each other engaging with each other, not trying to be a solo Christian. How are we doing at acts of service for others that God is calling us to do, at giving and forgiving? Uh, they'll be different for each of us, but we're going to take a minute or two in prayer just to allow the Lord to search us and say, is there something about our foundations that needs a bit of attention? Is there an area that God's spoken to us about that we haven't yet done something about that we need to put into practice. For most of us, there'll be all sorts of things. The danger is that the evil one will come to us and point out 120 things we're not doing and say, you might as well give up, you're useless. Uh, if that happens, don't listen. That voice is not the voice of the Lord. The Holy Spirit convicts. He will say, why don't we work on this one? And you go, gulp, okay. And you work on it, find it's okay. God's still there. Now let's work on this one. But if you're tempted to give up under condemnation, just resist that. That's the voice of the evil one, and that's garbage. So let's stand, and we'll put, take some time in prayer. Perhaps the band would come back ready to lead us uh, in a moment in prayer. And we praise you, dear Lord, that your desire is for us to stand and to stand firm, whatever comes. And indeed, stand right the way firm through our own death, to life the other side, glorious life eternal with you, with no more suffering and tears and death and pain. We praise you, Lord Jesus, that you walked the way of the cross for us, paying the price for our sins so we can be forgiven. We praise you that your way is the best way, the way that leads to life and security. Forgive us for believing the lies of the evil one and the world around us, your way is just boring and unnecessary and old-fashioned and repressed. Come now by your Holy Spirit, we pray. Here in the building, on those who are watching online, come and minister to us. Protect us from the condemnation of the evil one. But would you point out to us the area where we most need to give attention to believing your word and putting it into practice. Come Holy Spirit and minister to us, we pray.
Remember, God is a good father. Just looked at Trevor with baby Theo here. It's a good father. God's even better. He loves you. So you can trust him. For any, Lord, who are not yet yours, who are where I was as a teenager, torn two ways, we pray for grace to trust you. May even be someone here today who's been wrestling with this, these two ways, who knows there's a decision to make. Today might be a day for you to say, Lord, I bow my knee to you as Lord. Forgive me for going my own way. I know that's not a solid foundation. Thank you that you died for my sins and all that's wrong. Please forgive me. Please come in by your Holy Spirit. Please strengthen me and help me to follow your way and do what you said. And give me grace to learn how to walk your way. If that's you and you're just echoing that prayer in your heart, God loves that when you come to him and he says he'll never cast you out. Lord, for anyone here or watching online, if that's the case, fill them with your spirit. Give them grace to tell someone. I usually recommend you tell someone you think will be pleased about the news first. <laughs> Help us to look after all those who come to faith. For those you're calling to be baptised, to make that public, Lord, give courage to do that. For all of us on the difficult stuff of loving those who hurt us, on giving at cost. We pray, dear Lord Jesus, you would help us as a church to be better at following your word and better as individuals. And we pray that you will reign in this place and fill us with your spirit and spread out from here, that others would be drawn to you through us. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, the glorious thing of me not having prepared a sermon for very long was that it was shorter. Who knew? I mean, and uh, so we're going to worship. I mean, there's time for prayer ministry. So if those of you who normally rush off to get the children, you've got till 10-2. So you should be first in the queue for prayer ministry if you want to, if you're not normally here and you're running out to get children. But we're going to worship together. We've got another song about building, haven't we? Brilliant. This is about building God's kingdom here. As we build our foundation on what Jesus said, so we pray he'll build his kingdom among us. And then Andy will explain how prayer ministry works afterwards. Let's sing.